guess what? What? Guess what? I'm going to have brownies in front of me while we're recording this intro. <laughs> you know, you can have brownies <laughs> in front of you while we're watching the movie. Yeah, but they're going to be here and... Is this to inspire you to be hungry? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be the same if you weren't telling me that you were very hungry. I'm so hungry. <laughs> have you eaten it all today? Yes, I have. Are you getting food? Are you getting nourishment? I am. I had so many okay. green beans yesterday. So many green beans. <laughs> that's all I that's all I want. It's just for my child to eat so many green beans. <laughs> I had curry yesterday as well. Oh yeah, I had curry tonight. Oh really? Wow. Well should we begin? Yes, we should. Hey everybody, I'm Phil. And I'm Ollie. And it's, it's Del Toro time. Del Toro time. Why was there such a weird pause? There is a weird lag. <laughs> oh, okay. No. There wasn't a big lag last time. There wasn't a lag when we were recording uh, The Three Musketeers. No. I blame you. It's probably me. <laughs> so my question for you, Ollie, is what can you tell me about Brian De Palma? Absolutely nothing. What do you know about the man De Palma? Nothing. Uh, do you know any of the movies he made? That falls under the realm of nothing. Do you know his age? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, would you be impressed if I told you that he directed the music video for Bruce Springsteen's Dancing in the Dark? No. He did. He directed Dancing in the Dark, uh, which was the, uh, I believe, the uh, the music video that starred a uh, a very young Courtney Cox. Cool, cool. You know, from Friends? Kind of. You know Courtney Cox from Friends? Which one did she play? Monica? <laughs> Monica Lewinsky. I don't know. I don't know what any of their names. Uh, tall, tall, dark-haired one. Monica. <laughs> Monica, yes. It, 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 there was a delay on your voice. It, it, it glitched out on your voice, so it sounded like you went, Monica. Anyways, what movie are we watching? We are going to watch De Palma's, Brian De Palma's, uh, I guess cult classic, because this is not a mainstream hit. Uh, his cult classic, The Phantom of the Paradise. Noise. Or Phantom of the Paradise. There is no the in it, just Phantom of the Paradise. It's like Phantom of the Opera. It is like Phantom also, of the Opera. Also, you that just is, lied. That is not a mistake. You lied. What did I lie about? You said there's no the in it when there clearly is a the. <laughs> it is called Phantom of the Paradise. There is... No the. <laughs> Does that make you feel better? No. <laughs> what? So I have seen Phantom of the Paradise before. It was made in 1974. And I sort of put it, it sort of goes hand in hand with like 1970s uh, rock and roll, weird post psychedelic musicals that like uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show and uh, and Ken Russell's Tommy. I kind of put them all in the same like school of movie because, uh, but w but with the Phantom of the Paradise being the most coherent and uh, probably probably best performed of all three of them. It's it's more of a actual story than the other two. Is it a musical? It is very much a musical. It, what is it? Is it a horror? It is a a rock and roll horror sci-fi weird spectacle glam uh nightmarish comedy uh off the wall just whatever kind of movie <laughs> cool 
all things I don't particularly enjoy. <laughs> I think you'll get a kick out of it. Uh, but what's interesting is De Palma, like, he would go on to make, oh, he made the movie Carrie, Stephen King's Carrie. Mm-hmm. He did. He was known in the 80s for, like, he kind of ushered in, he was one of the directors who kind of ushered in, like, the sexy thriller, like, Dressed to Kill and Body Double. He did Scarface. He did The Untouchables. Uh, he, he made this, uh, he's made it, he's still alive. He's made a ton of movies, uh, kind of a hard guy to pin down, but uh, this one in particular, Phantom of the Paradise, really stands out as far as, like, just the size of it and the colorfulness of it. And the cast and the music, it's just, it's a, it's, a, it's a separate piece from the rest of De Palma's work. De Palma got his start, like all these other directors did, he went to, he went to, he went to school, went to college, he started making like little documentaries, he got his break in the 1960s in like the New York independent underground art scene, he made a lot of like weirdo movies, and then he broke his way into Hollywood. Uh, he used a lot of the same actors over and over again. Um, yeah, he's, he's a very respected uh, artist, he's gone. He's done off the wall stuff, and he's done very mainstream stuff. He made the first Mission Impossible movie, uh, did very well. Uh, I th- it looks like his last movie was The Black Dahlia, which wasn't very good. So uh, <laughs> you could say the Mission Impossible movie did very well, considering there's about seventeen thousand of them. Oh, the first Mission Impossible also is just—it's a master. I just love the first Mission. I know. Impossible. I've seen it, but you did not know that I love it. I probably did. Did you? We talk about movies so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! This is so difficult. Like with the with the lag, it's so weird. Ladies and gentlemen, listening at home, this is just this is so off the wall. Um, just like a De Palma film. <laughs> so, uh, Ollie, yeah, are you ready to watch the Phantom of the Paradise? Or or hell yeah, Phantom of Phantom of the Paradise. <laughs> no, hell yeah! I just I just ran into my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> so, I keep bumping it. The setup is weird. This is awkward. Okay. Uh, let's go watch a movie. Let's. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. I'm just going to start recording and hope for the best. Because <laughs> there's nothing else Hacker. I can do. What if it's like three tracks and then it's you and me and then like a mystery voice (laughs) it's the demon it is the demon (laughs) it's the phantom of the podcast (laughs) (laughs) what what a movie this was for those of you at home uh for some reason on my on my long distance uh recording uh program that i'm using to record this podcast it's showing there being three people in the room (laughs) One on my end it shows that Ollie is being doubled, and on Ollie's end it shows that I am being doubled, and we don't know what is happening. <laughs> uh, I think this I think this is how the ring begins. <laughs> Anyone who listens to this episode is gonna die in seven days. Oh, that's dark. That's dark considering <laughs> considering what's happening in our world. Sad. Hey, hey, cat, Jesus Christ. So Ollie has a cat named Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. And it is the sweetest thing. Walks no. on water, cures the sick. I wish. Uh, how is the cat? How is Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ is doing well. Yeah. Um, Better than the actual just, one. Yeah, just attacking all of my cords that I'm connected to right now. Oh, how many cords do you have? Two. 
One for the mouth and one for the head? I mean, one for the headphones and one for the computer. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, speaking speaking of being a human being attached by cords to a computer, the Phantom of the Paradise. Are we going to explain the situation behind this movie? I don't know if there's much to explain because as far as the audience is concerned, there wasn't anything going on. Yeah, that's if you true. Want to, if, if you want to explain, feel free. Well, this is a movie we did not watch together. Right. At all. At all. Yeah. We started watching it together, and then uh -huh. I couldn't watch it. <laughs> yeah. It was unbearable. Yeah. I've never heard you that distressed over a movie. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Just like... Just something about it. Wrong film, wrong time. Yeah. It was one yeah. of those movies where I couldn't watch it with anyone else. So I watched it the morning after. <laughs> It starts off with just an image of like a graphic of a dead bird, not like an actual photo, just like a like a like a screen print of a bird. Yeah. And you're immediately like, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. <laughs> and we watched like the first eight minutes and you were like, I couldn't I could see you and I could like it was like that because I had you up in my little in my camera and like a little screen. Mm -hmm. And it was like that scene in uh, Back to the Future where Marty McFly is fading away in the photograph <laughs> like you were. <laughs> You were you were gradually becoming uh, transparent and like disappearing from reality. I don't know what it was yeah. about that movie. Uh -huh. Was it the topic? Maybe. Was it everything? Probably. So so the next so so you bowed out. You were like, I can't watch this. I can't watch this. I can't watch this. And I was like, mm -hmm. Okay, well you don't have to watch it. You know we didn't stop. And uh, and then we just kind of ended it there. Yeah. And then the next day, you're like, I watched that movie. <laughs> and I was like, well, I haven't yet. <laughs> and I mean, I've seen it before, but uh, yeah. But so then I had to watch that movie. And since and since then, I've watched it three times. Dang. Yeah. I've watched it once. Uh, I watched it. I watched it with uh, commentary. And then I watched it part with commentary. And then I watched some interviews and stuff. Yeah. If, oh, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, if you are if you like The Phantom of the Paradise, uh, the Shout Factory DVD of it, or Blu-ray of it, has so many hours of bonus content you will want for nothing. So, uh, including an interview with the uh, with the writer of the music, Paul Williams, who also played Swan, and uh, Guillermo del Toro. Oh, nice! An hour-long interview between the two of them, uh, just talking about Paul Williams' career and his music. <laughs> So the answer to why does Guillermo del Toro like this movie? <laughs> Everything. <Yes. laughs> but my question now is, why does Ali not like this movie? Uh, I mean, I assume you don't like the movie. I don't like the movie. Secondhand okay. embarrassment. Oh, that is a big thing for you. Bad during this entire movie. And I don't know why, but like... While I was watching it, I kept having to like look away. I can understand that in the beginning because uh, because uh, oh yeah, later in the movie it was different. It was fine, whatever. But in the beginning, uh, Winslow Winslow Leach is a pretty cringy character. I think he's just a pretty cringy character throughout the entire movie. Well, yes, he becomes the Phantom, who is the ultimate cringy character in all of literature. Yep. So, well, let's begin at the beginning because this is a uh, this is an unusual film. And I forgot that it's. I always forget. I said this on uh, on on social media. I said I, two things. I always forget about the Phantom of the Paradise. It's very short, and mm -hmm. it's and it's perfect. It is. The I perfect can agree movie. on one of those things. 
Yeah, it's it's a it's an hour and a half long. It is it makes its point and then it just gets out. Yeah. Yeah, it is, and it is a strange movie. Uh, opening narration, by the way, by Rod Serling, who did the opening narration for uh, The Twilight Zone. Nice. Yeah, so a very familiar voice. So starting right off, this movie is filled with homages and cinematic tricks and all kinds of experimentation. And this is a movie that, uh, that uh, Brian De Palma had wanted to make for years like a decade, I think. I think he started like writing it when he was like in high school or college. And it was interesting. He started writing it with uh, a writing partner of his. Uh, I believe the woman that he wrote Sisters with. And then they had a falling out. And he he still wanted to make the movie. So he had to remove every contribution she had made to the story from the story like surgically just remove everything that she had contributed in their partnership and go on from there he said it was very difficult yeah i have so many thoughts that i about i have no thoughts about this movie but at the same time you have so many thoughts yeah well it's a it's a it's a basic and essentially it's a kind of a retelling of the phantom of the opera but also a retelling of faust Mm -hmm. and then in the end it's a retelling of the picture of dorian gray (laughs) <laughs> with with elements from Hitchcock films and many other uh, movies kind of thrown in. Uh, and it's also sort of a musical, but sort of a concert film and a tribute to the recording industry, but a criticism of the recording industry uh, starring Paul Williams as the bad guy uh, and also featuring music by Paul Williams. <laughs> And also starring William Findlay as the Phantom and the incredible Jessica Harper as uh, Phoenix. I liked Phoenix. Don't even get me started on Jessica Harper. In a good way or bad way? In the best way. Well, now I want to know. Uh, I fell in love with Jessica Harper in high school. Uh, like, hard. Like, like, my heart would hurt when I would see her. Uh, because of her performance in the movie Shock Treatment which is the the sequel to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh-huh. Uh, she played she played Janet to uh, Cri- mm-hmm. Clifty Young's Brad, and she was so incredible in it that I was like, who is this woman? I have to see everything she's in. And so I saw her in that, and then she's, in, she's the lead in Suspiria, and mm-hmm. she's the female lead in this, and that sort of forms her like 19, like late 70s, early 80s, like trio of like, powerful strong women performances uh she did stuff she did stuff in the 80s she was in pennies from heaven she played a slightly like little more mousy character uh and uh she continued working on stage and stuff but then she was kind of she never she never hit the powerhouse of fame that you would have expected her to Mm -hmm. Uh, but she stayed a working actor she's still working she's still uh She's still out there. She's still doing stuff. She has a pretty active Twitter account, <laughs> and uh, she's still amazing. I uh, love Jessica Harper, and she's got this inc- a wild voice. It's so low. Mm-hmm. So uh, tell us what tell us what Phantom of the Paradise is about. <laughs> um, as as someone who I, I assume you don't have much like cultural context for what this movie is making fun of or commenting on. No, I have zero context. Great. So for you, what is this movie about? A songwriter who gets cheated out of his music and 
is unhappy about it and then gets framed for drugs mm-hmm. <laughs> and sent to prison. And then horrible things happen to him. <laughs> yes. And then he gets out of prison. Well, he doesn't get out. He escapes from prison. And more horrible things happen to him. Yes. Uh, and then he does horrible things to people. Right. And uh, then in, he in dies. A, in a theater. Yeah. And then he dies. Yes. Also, uh, there's the devil. <laughs> right. <laughs> By, at the end. <laughs> and uh, there's the bad guy who's the one who steals his music. Yes. And, yep. and there's Phoenix, who is like Phoenix. the woman he's infatuated with. Yes. There is also a character named Beef, who is the best character. <laughs> Beef is my favorite character in the movie uh, because he gets to get up on stage and be flamboyant and be tough. And then he gets a plunger in his face. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was, I was very sad when Beef died because... Yeah. I think I honestly think he's the only truly likable character. What? <laughs> because like he just he's sort of true to himself and he's just like and then when, he's the only one who's like we've got to get out of here. We yeah. have to leave. And he only goes back cuz he gets threatened. Yeah. And then he gets and then he dies for his for his art. I like Phoenix. Yeah, she's great. She's great. She uh I don't understand why she agreed to marry that guy. Swan? Yeah. Yeah. I think so I think that's supposed to show like the like that that this that fame and fortune is only corrupting like it only can corrupt like even someone is because Phoenix spends the entire beginning of the movie saying like I'm not going to sleep with someone for this like I'm not going to like give up my ideals for this and then Mm -hmm. as soon as she gets a little bit of fame she's like yep I'll do whatever you want and I think that's part of what pushes uh, Leech over the edge. So let's just go down the characters real quick because we're kind of doing that already. Yeah. So there's William Finley, who is kind of uh, one of Brian De Palma's muses, uh, as Winslow Leach slash the Phantom. Mm-hmm. And you you've already said right off you don't like this guy. No. <laughs> I hate him. What is what do you, what do you dislike about Winslow Leach? Everything. Describe the man. Describe the man himself. Horrible. <laughs> Awful. Disgusting. <laughs> He's not he's not a bad guy. His shirts are terrible. <laughs> His haircut is terrible. I hate him. So William Finley was mostly known for playing like aggressive, like kind of like crazy off the wall like characters. Uh, he was a big character actor uh, for Brian De Palma. And and Leech was a very different kind of role for him, kind of playing the, the milk toast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what's funny is so he wrote winslow leach for william finley he's like i've written this role for you but then paul williams got involved as the songwriter and De palma was like hey paul williams you'd be perfect as winslow leach you're sm- you're very small you're kind of you know you can play like a put-upon guy and uh, you're you're a songwriter uh and we'll get garrett graham who's who ended up playing beef to play swan and we just won't cast william finley at all Eventually, though, Paul Williams was like, I can't play Winslow Leach. A, I'm not scary at all. Like, I can't play the Phantom. And B, I don't want people to think that I'm, that I don't uh, appreciate everything I've been given by the music industry. He's like, I have a charmed life and I don't want people to think that I'm criticizing my place in the music industry by saying anyone stole my music or anything. But I will play Swan. 
And so they cast Paul Williams then as Swan because he's like the most confident guy in the world at the time anyway. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of buy him as like this like sort of he's charming, but he's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's like this little like devil man. <laughs> I mean, he literally is. <laughs> he really is. Paul Williams is like a little devil man. Uh, don't, don't get me wrong. Paul Williams, as far as I can tell from every interview, everyone, people love Paul Williams. Uh, he's been through hell and back. He had serious addiction issues all through the 70s and 80s. He, he got clean, and now he is like a huge spokesperson for addiction recovery. He's an amazing guy and an amazing songwriter. I mean, this guy's had hit after hit after hit. He wrote the music, the songs for the Muppet movie. Like, we love Paul Williams. The man is almost a Muppet himself. He's an honorary Muppet. He's an amazing man. I would man. have enjoyed this movie if all of the characters had been played by Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it has... You know, you say that it has kind of that feel. It has that very, like, unreal, cartoony feel to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's clearly not meant to be taken literal. Like, it's not a serious... It's a very cartoony movie. Yeah. Which is why I compared it to Rocky Horror in the beginning. Like, you're not supposed to take it at face value. It's exaggerated. Mm -hmm. He has his teeth removed in the prison. It's awful. Yeah. They don't show it. No. But it is, like, the, the, the... most emotionally honest moment in this movie is when the is when the doctor says i'm going to remove all your everyone's teeth as an experiment and winslow leach says but i'm innocent and then he goes i don't want to lose my teeth and i was like that's the one completely straight line of dialogue like i totally like that's that if someone said i'm going to take out all of your teeth i that's exactly how i would say it like on the verge of tears (laughs) like i don't want to lose my teeth uh, and then he does lose all of his teeth, and they're replaced metal. with metal with metal teeth. <laughs> chomp chomp. I don't. And what's funny is the lines where the that exchange about losing your teeth was taken from a novel that uh, Brian De Palma like wrote like a paper on in in college, like a, <laughs> a, like a. And it was like this one line. He was like, "I'm going to base an entire movie around this line about losing your teeth," and he did. <laughs> he wanted to. Because it's a, I guess it's a, no, I can't remember the name of the novel. It's a novel about a guy who like goes through hell. Like every time he tries to do something, something terrible, he loses part of his body, I think. And, uh, and, uh, and so he was like, I'll have that happen to my main character. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so uh, Paul Williams as Swan runs a nightclub called The Paradise. And there is a, a group of. Uh, He's opening a, a, a nightclub called The Paradise. Right. And they have a, a band called The Juicy Fruits. <laughs> Who are singing a song called Goodbye, Eddie, Goodbye. That is one of my favorite songs in the world. I really liked that opening part. Those guys, uh, Archie Hahn, Jeffrey uh, Co-Manor, and uh, Peter Ebling, who's known as Harold Oblong. Yeah, in the, he's credited as Harold Oblong. Three like performance artists, singers, dancers, performance artists, who were cast. Uh, originally, they wanted to cast Sha Na Na in the role, actual band. Couldn't mm-hmm. get it to work out. So they cast these guys uh, who did all their own choreography. Um and played the Juicy Fruits, played the Beach Bums, and in the end they played the Undead. Weren't they all supposed to be the same band? Yeah, it's kind of left like, are these the same guys? Are they just like reinventing themselves? Uh, but they keep taking this one song that Winslow Leach wrote, the song about Faust, uh, and rewriting it into different songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Beach Bums song, who they're a parody of the Beach Boys, uh, their song Upholstery, which is hilarious. Is a, is a rewrite of that song. It's the same melody and everything. It's mm-hmm. amazing what Paul Williams does with the music in this. 
But uh, so you like the juicy fruits. Yeah. So when you started the movie over, did you start the movie completely over? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, they are they are very energetic young men. <laughs> I'm confused by them. How come? Because they're confusing. <laughs> <laughs> but is I enjoyed it, them. Is it because of what the shenanigans they get up to during their song? Probably. Uh, one of them like, like, humping a woman on the table. <laughs> Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> they were they were trying to. They said in their in the uh, in the uh, commentary track because they're on the commentary track. They said uh, they were trying to like encapsulate in one single performance like every aspect of being like a popular band. <laughs> <laughs> so like, well, of course they'd make up with the woman. He would take her bra. They would like do all these poses. They would do this. They would do that. They'd like fall on the stage. Like they were just doing every single. They were trying to like put the entire band's like essence into this one number, and I think they did it. Yeah. Uh. Uh, so yeah, so the, he has this band and he wants a new sound because apparently his like his main singer has has gotten a contract with someone else. <laughs> they overhear Winslow Leach playing the song about Faust. They want him. He's written a cantata about the story of Faust. They only want the music. They don't want the guy. So as you said, they steal his music. Oh, well, he hands it to them, and then they don't speak okay. to him for like a year. <laughs> this is where my immense hatred well i already hated him but this is where my even more immense hatred came for this main character yeah what kind of idiot (laughs) is just like yeah sure here take my music i won't sign a contract or anything let's just not have this be legally bound at all right what kind of idiot moronic man does that I who? think he's just a. I think he's just supposed to represent like the wide-eyed person who gets into the music industry, thinking that it's go- like just because they're a great artist that they're going to, they're going to be appreciated and respected. Like it's that naive. I think he's supposed to represent the naivete of the music industry. Like, and he's quickly disillusioned. What? Who has anyone actually ever done that? What succeeded without uh, a firm contract in place? Just hand someone their music. <laughs> and then not sign it, like just not have anything legal going on. No, of have, course not. Because you have no case then. If right. you're like, they stole my music and they're like, prove it. And you're like, I can't. I What's handed funny, them my music. I was trying to think of what movie this reminded me of. And I believe it's in the movie The Red Shoes, which I did as a Twitter episode that something very similar to this happens. A, uh, a guy gets his music stolen. In the very beginning, he realizes that his teacher has been stealing his music that he's been writing, and and uh, when he takes it to the like when he takes it to the people at the top, they're like, "Yeah, it happens. All you can do now is like write better music and be a more successful person than him." And so he does, mm-hmm. uh, which is probably what Winslow Leach should have just done. Like, yeah. let it go, write more music, and become famous in your own right. Honestly, or. Yeah. Find another company to write music for. Right. But instead what he does is he breaks into uh he keeps trying to get into Swan's building, which mm-hmm. is called Death Records. Yee, I think. O- originally it was called Swan Song Records. And they had to change well, it got into some legal issues because there already was a Swan Song Records in real life. Mm-hmm. Which means that every time the words Swan Song Records appeared in this movie, they had to cover it up with like bad optical effects, uh, which you can notice sometimes if you're looking for them. Uh, but it also, because of that, it delayed the opening of this movie, which mm-hmm. caused basically caused it its its death at the box office mm-hmm. um, because they they had to rush it out. They had to change the title too. It was really just called Phantom, 
and they changed it to Phantom of the Paradise because it was already a movie called Phantom coming out, something like that. Yeah, this movie had a lot of going against it. Um, so yeah, so he keeps trying to break in. Uh, he ends up getting, uh, he gets beaten up. He gets, as you said, he gets drugs planted on him by cops working for Swan and uh, goes to prison where he gets his teeth pulled out, replaced with metal. He escapes by hiding in a box. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I'd escape prison. He just hides. He's being chased by uh, the guards and he he hides in a box and they see him do it, don't they? <laughs> and the box gets put on a truck and then a truck drops the box off on the street and he runs away. Yeah. I mean, what uh, else are you going to do? Well, apparently what you're going to do is you're going to break back into Swan's uh, building, uh, accidentally get your head caught in a record press, which permanently disfigures you, and then uh, and then fall into the East River. Don't forget that it's, this is when he loses his voice, too, right? How does he lose his voice? I just remember that he loses his voice. He does lose his voice. Because uh, that's like his, like, he can sing, he can do all this stuff, and now he has nothing. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah. So, what does he do? He, uh, he sneaks back, back into the, into the paradise. Mm-hmm. Uh, steals one of the costumes from like their like theatrical sets mm-hmm. and becomes the phantom of the paradise no one ever calls him that but no someone does say phantom at one point yeah um but unlike the phantom of the opera he makes himself known to swan like yeah. he reveals himself uh and all these gets se- tricked by swan again right so what does swan do he's like yeah sure buddy whatever he gets leech to sign a contract mm-hmm. uh in blood warning that, sign number 547 yep it's a very long contract <laughs> uh it's the size of a phone book and basically uh he signs a contract that will allow winslow to uh to keep writing music for the paradise uh and also Swan attack, connects Leech up to a computer that turns mm-hmm. his now destroyed voice into a beautiful singing voice mm-hmm. so that he can communicate again. Mm-hmm. And uh, the irony, of course, being that when he gives Leech a beautiful singing voice, it's Paul Williams' actual voice. So Paul Williams is playing the villain who changes the, 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 the protagonist into Paul Williams. <laughs> amazing it is amazing it's 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 a little it's it's not even an inside joke if you know paul williams you recognize his voice immediately um but meanwhile there's a young woman named phoenix who's Mm -hmm. been audition trying to audition to get into like the the show at the phoenix i mean Mm -hmm. at the at the paradise at the phoenix (laughs) at the phoenix i want to sing the phoenix at the phoenix um and she kind of floats around Mm -hmm. but she does a bang up job at her audition yeah yeah um in fact she does such a bang-up job that she dances off the stage basically doing the funky chicken (laughs) and she still nails the audition (laughs) um if if i ever do like if someone is ever auditioning for something that i'm in charge of they have to do the funky chicken or they won't get (laughs) she's she's amazing i just yeah she doesn't have a huge role, but whenever she's on screen, it's just like, 
-hmm. There she is. There she is. She's doing it. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the Phantom has has blown up a bunch of people, but also on stage. Uh, the Beach Bums are performing, uh, rehearsing a number, and the Phantom plants a bomb in the on-set automobile during their song. And we mm -hmm. get, for the first time in this movie, the Brian De Palma split screen, mm -hmm. which is amazing. Yeah. It is so well done. He said it was so difficult because you had two cameras filming the scene at once and they had to sync up perfectly, but also not see each other. Mm -hmm. And it's a musical number. So everything had to look good in both split screens and you had to like sync up the voices and get all the dialogue, but also all the music. He said it was so difficult, but I think it really paid off. Yeah, it was really yeah. cool. Yeah. And uh, so Brian De Palma ends up being really well known for doing that split screen technique. That's kind of mm -hmm. one of his, like, he loves it. Uh, things about Brian De Palma is he really loves, well, he loves a split screen. He also loves things with hidden cameras and mirrors mm -hmm. and mirrors you can see through. And there are so many in this movie. Mm -hmm. uh, there's cameras everywhere watching people. I mean, the, 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 the climax uh, hinges on a recording of of the bad guy like revealing the secret in a mirror like it's just it just keeps going um so what it what ends up happening and, and and explain to me why this happens maybe you picked up on this so phoenix is cast in the show mm -hmm. but swan doesn't want her to be the lead yeah he replaces her with beef i read somewhere that he because i was doing my own stuff for this movie that he was he thought she was too good okay he was like jealous of her or something and yes. didn't want her to he wanted to break her right and he's telling that to uh to uh philbin mm -hmm. his like right hand man yeah who's like his his muscle i guess but it, but it's also really soft-spoken uh-huh <laughs> and i kind of like philbin as well <laughs> Is it just because he shares the first part of your names? It is because he shares the first part of my names, both of them. <laughs> well, I was trying to, I was going to say, is it because you two share the same first part of your names, but it came out wrong? <laughs> uh, he's played by George Mamoli, who died young. Died young. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, I, I forgot. So, Phil, but he's like, yeah, yes, you're right. So, he's like, ah, she's too good. And so, he replaces her with beef. And uh, tell us about Beef. He's great. I feel so bad for him. Yeah, they do this amazing audition sequence where he's auditioning different like groups doing the mm -hmm. same song. And they do all these different wonderful styles. He gets all these different bands in to try the song out in different styles. Uh, uh, and he settles on Beef, mm -hmm. uh, who was played by Garrett Graham, who is a, a kind of a cult film actor. Uh, I mean, he's been in a cult leader. He's not a cult leader. Uh, he's in everything from uh, from uh, Beware the Blob. He was on the he's a Twilight Zone TV series. He shows up in Chopping Mall. Uh, he he was in the Philadelphia Experiment too. He shows up in Child's Play too. Uh, as far as I know, he's I, I guess like he's not he's not he hasn't done much recently. But uh, he was still working into the uh, like the 2010s, so mm -hmm. uh, he's around. He's around. Uh, pops up in things. Does voices in some cartoons. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, yeah, Garrett Graham. I guess he had a recurring role on Parker Lewis. Can't lose. 
Um, but yeah, he's like kind of this glam rocker, but also this like he's a drug addict, a glam rocker. Uh, but he's all I don't know. I don't know how to describe beef. He's he's not what you think he's going to be. <laughs> he just wants to live. Yeah. And in a great parody of the psycho shower scene, uh, the Phantom confronts him in the shower by putting a toilet plunger over his face and mm -hmm. telling him to, to leave the show or he'll kill him. Yeah. Yeah. Which doesn't work. It it kind it works. It's just he's not allowed to leave. <laughs> right. Um, and on stage during his performance, the Phantom electrocutes him with, do Something. you remember? No. A giant lightning bolt. He throws an electric lightning bolt at him, and, and, and it fries him on stage. I feel like I should remember this, but I don't. <laughs> During an amazing performance uh, by the Undeads. Oh, yeah. Yes. An incredible performance. I just love it so much. Mm -hmm. um, he, uh, the, the, the Undeads come out. It looks like Doc, Cabin of Dr. Caligari. It's all German expressionist. There's people in the audience, planted in the audience. They're chopping off their arms and legs. Mm-hmm. And they're throwing them back to these uh, these other people who are sewing them together into to create the perfect man. And then it's Beef who comes up and starts singing the song, and uh, and he kills Beef. The fan of kills Beef. So they put Phoenix on stage mm -hmm. to sort of pacify the audience, and she's a hit. She's yeah. a huge hit. Um, and then that's when she begins her relationship with Swan. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and this is when the Phantom starts completely losing his nut. <laughs> Has he not already? Well, no, because he sees her making out with Swan through, oh, yeah. a, through a window. And then he tries to kill himself. Aha! So the Phantom tries to kill himself, and what happens? He succeeds. But? He ain't dead. What happened? Why not? Because of the devil. Yes, yeah, so suddenly we are into supernatural territory. Unlike the, the real Phantom of the Opera, things take a turn for the supernatural. What is the deal? Why can the Phantom not kill himself? Because the devil. <laughs> but what happened? He made a deal with the devil. But which step? Like how? Like what, is the, what does the deal say? Uh, I don't remember. I just remember that Swan, the signature that he made, it was the contract that he signed. Right. The Phantom belongs to swan like he, he can't die mm -hmm. ever uh unless swan dies mm -hmm. and if anything happens to swan it'll happen to the phantom i thought it was um, just i thought it was just if swan dies then he's now able to die again but if he had like it would reopen wounds that had been i thought that's what happened right right so he tries to kill swan but Swan also can't die. And then Swan's like, oh, I made a deal as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, and you're like, oh, uh-oh. So Swan is going to marry Phoenix live on television. Mm -hmm. But he also plans to kill her Yeah. during the ceremony. He's going to have her snipe. He has a sniper set up to kill her because that's good TV. I hate this man so much. And so the Phantom does a little investigating of his own and and finds a videotape that has Swan's like last like, like the Swan's pact with the devil is on a video. Isn't he and, like actually really old or something? Right. So you see this video from like oh yeah, so this woman shows up at one point and she's like, Swan, Swan, don't you remember me? And then she's like, I dated him in high school, but the woman's like in her fifties. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Dated him in high school? That woman's too old for she's way older than Swan. And so in this video, a very young swan is sitting in a bathtub 
and he's going to kill himself because he found his first wrinkle or something. And wow. the dev and the devil appears in the mirror looking like Swan and is like, you sign the contract in your own blood and I'll make sure you stay young and beautiful forever. You've got to hide this tape though, because the tape will age while you stay young forever. Mm-hmm. Ta-da. And, and what's interesting is that Paul Williams does look really young in the video. Mm-hmm. Like he looks much younger than he does in the, in the main film. Mm-hmm. And the reason he does is because Paul Williams was having so many issues at that point with addiction and with his weight Mm -hmm. that his weight fluctuated so much during the filming of this that they just caught it in that shot when he was looking a lot healthier. (laughs) And uh, so to him, like psychologically watching this movie, that like resonates a lot with him because it shows him just how much he was like, how in bad shape he was Mm -hmm. at the time. But uh, so what does uh, the Phantom do? Uh, he destroys it. Yeah, he? he just yeah. he sets fire to everything. Yeah, uh, like, the oh, vi- okay, bye. Yeah, because as long as the videotape is has his youth, so he sets fire to the tape and the whole recording studio, and uh, then he heads off to uh, stop the wedding. Mm-hmm. And he any 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 and there's a big fight. <laughs> yeah, because what happens to Swan's face? It's gone. Yeah, so Swan is wearing a mask on stage. Uh, because he never lets anybody photograph him or videotape him. Mm-hmm. I guess because he never ages. So he mm-hmm. doesn't want people to like notice that. And so he's wearing a mask. The Phantom swoops down from the rafters, rips off Swan's mask. And uh, we see that Swan has now... <laughs> Lost his I... face. Yeah, he has no face. <laughs> he's, just, he's just a bloody mass. Yep. And uh, he's a terrible, terrible looking man. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and... There's a big fight. It's like it's like uh, those fights where it's two people fighting, and then since there's so many people around, everyone gets into it. Yeah, what do they do? They kill Swan. Yes, they kill Swan. Uh, they just go nuts. Yeah. But unfortunately, because they killed Swan, it hurts Winslow. I thought it was just that they killed Swan and Winslow's wound reopened. Oh, is that what happens? I'm pretty sure, because didn't he try and stab himself? He did. Oh, yeah. I guess so now that Swan is dead, Winslow, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah it makes sense. So uh, he takes off his mask, and you get to see his face for the first time, and it's no good. No. <laughs> and uh, and that's Phoenix when... Phoenix recognizes him. Yes. She finally realized, because so they met once or twice mm-hmm. earlier in the movie, uh, and she... And he was actually, it's the one time Winslow acts like a kind of a normal human being is when he's talking to Phoenix because she appreciates his music. And he's like, oh, you really like this? Oh, that's great. And she's like, oh, this guy's just kind of a nice nerdy guy. Mm -hmm. And that's when she realizes that this phantom is actually this man she knew. uh, And he dies in her arms. Mm -hmm. Everyone's celebrating. She's dying. (laughs) Everyone just keeps dancing. (laughs) And and it's just kind of like the end. Like, that's it. Doesn't she? Doesn't he save her from the sniper though? Too, he kills the sniper. He does. He kills the sniper. Yeah, the, yeah. Sni- the sniper is this like a uh, this one of one of Swan's henchmen. You just kind of see him around, uh, and then he he becomes the sniper in the very end. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, and that and that's it. We have a movie has uh, like a, a eleven or twelve songs in it. 
Uh, it's a 90 minutes. It perfectly fits the three act structure. Mm-hmm. Every 30 minutes in this film, you switch to the next act. Yeah. Each act exactly 30 minutes long. Uh, uh, it, uh, I have it. It's the first act ends. Hold on. I'm going to pull this up because I, I wrote, I was, I was actually amazed at how well-timed this whole thing was like De Palma. He kept it tight. He kept, he keeps it clipping along. Like, they don't dwell on anything mm-hmm. is one of the things I really appreciate about it. Um, uh, the first act ends when, when Leech falls into the East river. Mm-hmm. Uh, presumed dead, and then the paradise opens, starting Act Two, with Swan returning, and then Act Three, uh, be- uh, Act Two ends. Beef gets killed. Mm-hmm. Phoenix sings the song "Old Souls," she's a huge hit, and then Act Three begins with mm-hmm. Swan seducing Phoenix, and that carries us through to the very end uh, with this with this great montage of all the performers. Like mm-hmm. each each performer gets their own credit, and uh, and that's how it ends. Yeah. Uh, thir- 90 minutes, you're in, you're out. You saw yourself a movie. And yeah. you were not a fan. Nope. Nope. So uh, so we, we, we mentioned a few things. We mentioned a few things. But if you were to say, what's the one thing you honestly really liked about the movie? What would it be? Uh, the songs. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I always enjoy a good musical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I probably won't surprise you to know that I have listened to the soundtrack almost nonstop since I watched this. Uh, I've been, I've been listening to goodbye, Eddie, goodbye, like over and over again. It cracks me up so much. (laughs) Yeah. The soundtrack, uh, goodbye, goodbye, Faust, never thought I'd get to meet the devil. Faust reprise, upholstery special to me. Faust second reprise, uh, the Phantom's theme, Beauty and the Beast, Somebody super like you, which is Beef's song. Mm-hmm. Uh, Life at last. Oh, Life at last is Beef's song. Then Old Souls, which is Phoenix's song, and I think uh, the Paul Williams' favorite song from the movie. And then over the end of it, plays the song "The Hell of It." Yeah, and each song is just rocking. Each song just rocks. Uh, the production design of this movie is gorgeous. It's a great movie. I just don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I feel like that's how it is with every movie on this list that I don't like, though. Well-made movie that you're just not a huge fan of. Yeah. Like, uh, it's like Crimson Peak. Uh, an amazing, well-done movie that is beautiful and awesome, but I yeah. hate it. <laughs> so much. <laughs> um, so, a few things, and some of this is mentioned in the uh, in the wiki article, but... Uh, uh, William Finley playing Winslow Leach when he got his head crushed in the uh, record press. Uh, that was a real record press. Great. Uh, or at least a real like a- injection mold press. And so they, they, they rigged it so that it couldn't close all the way. Uh-huh. Um, but then during rehearsal, rehearsing it, the, the thing they, they rigged to, to not close all the way broke. <laughs> and, Winslow, and, and William Finley was like, How, what are we going to do? And they're like, oh, we'll stop it on time. We'll stop it on time. Um, they didn't stop it on time. They didn't quite. They he started the the screaming in the movie is his real screaming. Nice. Uh, but they did get him out on. He wasn't hurt, but he okay. almost was hurt. <laughs> so it's not uh, like it's not like the Three Musketeers. <laughs> it's not like there, this is not a Three Musketeers scenario. Uh, no, De Palma was a very professional filmmaker. Uh, uh, this was filmed in in New York and L.A. and Dallas, Texas, um, at the Majestic Theater. They uh, 
they fa- they searched far and wide for a movie th- for a for a theater that could, would per- like serve as the Phantom of the Paradise Theater, and they found it uh, in Dallas. It's a beautiful old theater with like this upper floor, this lower floor, and so they did a lot of filming there. They had to do some clever edits because this movie was tight on money and tight on time. So. They just busted their butts to get this thing made. Um, the recording studio where the Phantom is plugged into the into the uh, computer, mm-hmm. like the crazy circular recording studio, real recording studio. Nice. Uh, that just looks it just looks like that. It just looks exactly like that. And uh, they had to be very careful in there because the people were like sort of like iffy about the, allowing them to record there. Is that also the th- the place where they had to blow up the wall? That was a set. So, okay. yeah. So, like, they would cut back up. So, that was all clever editing. Uh, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> so, I don't think it's any surprise that this movie was a bomb. No. It it was delayed coming out. It was... It got great reviews. Like, it got really good reviews. Mm-hmm. And people who saw it really liked it. But they didn't know how to sell it. And then it was delayed coming out. It, it was just sort of tossed out into the theaters. And and it just sort of, it came and went. But what's funny is, I believe somewhere in Canada, um, like, not Winnipeg, some city in Canada, for some reason, it was a huge hit. <laughs> like, some rando city. And... And it was like it was a, a, a smash hit there. It remained a smash hit there, and became like a popular midnight movie there. Nice. Um, but this movie it, it started Jessica Harper's career. It I won't say it, it didn't start Paul Williams' career because he was already a very successful songwriter. But it started him like as an actor, like really like brought him out as like not just a, a singer and an actor, but like a guy who could really hold his own on screen. Mm-hmm. And he landed a bunch of more deals after this. Um, I can't remember this. this like, if you follow his career, like it's just point A to point B to point C. Like it just, it all connects. Uh, he's still working today. Still working today. Uh, and just became a, a super like nutty uh, cult film after this. Yeah. I mean, this no is surprise. a sleepover movie. It is a sleepover movie. Uh, I also think it makes a great pairing with, uh, I won't say the Rocky Horror Show. I'll say uh, Shock Treatment, the sequel to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Ken Russell's Tommy. Mm-hmm. They're all just these like, what's the story? Like, what, what are we? <laughs> it's the most straightforward of the three of them. Yeah. <laughs> like, it makes the most sense. It has a beginning and a middle and an end. And characters who behave like characters, but uh, but it's just it's also just got this great 1970s pop sound. It's the all the performers are committed. Mm-hmm. All the performers are committed, and uh, I don't know. So so on a on a on an Ollie scale of one to ten, what do you think of it? What do like I, you personally? You me personally? personally? Well, I hate it. <laughs> yes. Uh, I don't want to see it ever again. Uh-huh. I think hate is too strong a word. I don't hate the movie. I think it's a fine movie. It's not my kind of movie, and I probably won't watch it again, or maybe I will, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't. It's it's higher on my list than Crimson Peak. 
Okay, I was gonna. That was my next question: Is if you had to watch this or Crimson Peak again? I would watch this twenty five times before watching Crimson Peak. Once. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's what I wanted to know. Yeah. Um. And uh, oh, I had one more question for you. Oh, what do you think our friend Guillermo Toro likes about this movie? I'm gonna say all of it. <laughs> All of it. Um, and was he, was the person he was interviewing with the music person? Yes. Then the music probably as well. The, the music probably. Um, I, I think that goes without saying. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he is featured so prominently on the uh, on the special features. So I'm, I'm going to, I am not being paid by Shout Factory to say this. I don't think anyone thought you were. But, uh, but the Shout Factory, not in addition to that interview, it's got documentaries and interviews with so many of the leads it's got this incredible audio commentary it's got a whole series of alternate versions of alternate takes so you can watch jessica harper's like her singing uh phoenix's audition song from multiple angles uh in multiple different ways like <laughs> not white ways but like just different takes of the song mm-hmm. uh it's got the trailers it's got radio spots it's got an hour long documentary about it with interviews with the cast and the crew and the production to like uh the production designer on this movie I, I i meant to call out um uh oh my gosh i can't find his name uh basically created this movie like uh jack fisk um was the production designer and so much of the design of this movie the look of it the color uh, the placement of 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 the positioning of things like so much of that is Jack Fisk's doing, and De Palma will just say like this is Fisk's like look this Fisk made this movie. Now it's funny is Sissy Spacek was dating Jack Fisk at the time. I think they're married now. Mm-hmm. Um, so she became the set dresser. Just she was like I'll, I'll work on this movie. Mm-hmm. Later on, Brian De Palma was auditioning for the movie Carrie. Mm-hmm. And he was auditioning for the movie Carrie, uh, but because of like, he was he's still like, he, he, it was kind of an off, off the, he was looking for a lot of young actors mm-hmm. for Carrie. And uh, there was another movie that was going to be shooting around the same time that was also looking for a, just a bunch of young actors. Um, and so Brian De Palma and that other movie's director did joint auditions so they just shared auditioners mm-hmm. so sissy spacek came in and auditioned because you know she knew De palma already so she auditioned for both of these movies uh she auditioned for carrie which she of course eventually landed she mm-hmm. landed the lead in carrie but she also auditioned because she was auditioning for everything uh for princess leia uh in star wars because the two movies just shared cast members in the audition process. So everyone who auditioned for Star Wars pretty much auditioned for Carrie as well and vice versa. So we could have had uh, 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 Sissy Spacek as Princess Leia and uh, you know maybe Carrie Fisher as Carrie. Like it could have gone the other way. I mean, there are many other auditioners too, but uh, it's just funny that like De Palma and De Palma and Lucas were 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 contemporaries, still are. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of the young, the young punk up and coming filmmakers of the time, these like film school guys. So, uh, so Sissy Spacek, I believe you, I believe you catch a glimpse of Sissy Spacek at one point in the movie. I'm not sure. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so the movie came, it went, it bombed. But Guillermo del Toro loves it. He says, film, Phantom of the Paradise by Brian De Palma, one of my most beloved films ever. A deranged, romantic, unique film with a perfect soundtrack. And uh, yeah. And yeah, it's uh, that's that's that, I don't think he's changed his mind in the five years since he wrote that. No, you're probably right. He should do a musical. Are you still there? Yeah. Can you hear me? Ollie disappeared. No, I'm still here. Ollie's gone. <laughs> I don't hear Ollie anymore. Goodbye. Why, why can't you hear me? Where's my child? <laughs> Where's my child? Ollie is gone. Ollie has disappeared from the room. That's it. That's it. I don't know what's going to happen now. I don't know what to do. Ollie has disappeared from the room. I cannot hear my child at all. Can't hear my child at all. Ollie's gone. I can hear you. Oh, my God. What happened? I have no idea. <laughs> they just stop <laughs> stop acknowledging you. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. Uh, it just happened. That was crazy. Yeah. I got to sing a little bit, though. I know. I heard you. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good. I could still uh. hear everything that was going on. I just couldn't respond. Well, I'm going to keep that beautiful music okay what did you do to be heard because you when you first popped into this room you weren't heard um well i was clicking buttons on my headphones and oh did uh, you mute yourself no i didn't i didn't click any buttons while we were talking on the podcast um i accidentally muted myself right before i started talking here and then i realized it and i did it but i see i don't know what happened with the other room <laughs> well we are back and uh hey there's not three of us anymore there's not three of us anymore thank the lord you were uh, still in the other room when i when you i don't even what, what was i talking about <laughs> we finished talking about Gamble del toro and why he likes this movie we did and uh and i think we we're just finishing up the show yeah <laughs> the, I, I will say that this is this is not ideal i so wish we were in the same room so do i i miss seeing you i miss seeing you too emily my therapist said that um after this week um we should try and see each other we'll see what we can do yeah i mean neither of us are sick so i think it's okay (laughs) scary world out there yeah, I miss you guys a lot. <laughs> yeah, I miss you too. Let's uh, let's see what we can't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but back to the movie because I think we're done talking about the movie. Yeah, I think that's that's it. Uh, if you like it, buy it. If you don't, don't. Or if you're like me, and you don't care about it, don't. That's not true. I do care about it. I mean, I don't care about anything. I don't know what I'm talking about. You're so jaded. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's a fine movie. I wouldn't personally watch it. I do recommend watching it because, I mean, I think it's a good movie to watch. It's fun. Yeah. 
Uh, There's nothing like patently offensive in it either. No, it's it's uh, it's 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 fun. Yeah, it even manages to like avoid like like any like hateful language and stuff. Yeah. Uh which is surprising for the time and the like era and the like material. Yeah, especially considering uh what was his beef like right, are, I could see a lot of things going wrong with that situation. <laughs> mm-hmm, because he's he's glamour, he's glam, and he's a little effeminate. Mm-hmm. But uh, they don't really they don't really lean into that. It's just no. that's he just that's his character. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is a scene where where they're dragging the women into the audition room, and you mm-hmm. can tell they're like assaulting them. Yeah, uh, uh, it doesn't show anything, and it's meant as a criticism not as a like they're not celebrating it mm-hmm. um and swan does have a harem of women mm-hmm. but they all seem to be there of their own free will mm-hmm. um they may not be having the best time because they're a little bored but you don't see anything like that uh, mm-hmm. when he seduces phoenix he does seduce phoenix he doesn't force her to do anything mm-hmm. um so yeah so nothing icky like that it's just a whack. It's not a movie I would say watch with your little children, but it's. <laughs> well, we couldn't even watch it together. <laughs> oh, and if you're just looking to watch it, uh, it used to be on Shutter, but it's not anymore. Even though if you go on Amazon, it says it's on their Shutter like extension. It's not on Shutter right now, uh, but you can also rent it off Amazon Prime or wherever it's available for rent. Yee. Yeah. Um, so Ollie. <laughs> we had so much trouble watching this movie. <laughs> We really did. It took us almost an hour to get it started, and then you were like, I'm out. Yeah. I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> it took so long. I had to, like, send you an Amazon gift card. Yeah, and even that didn't work. That's right. It was a nightmare. A nightmare. Well, child. Yeah? What is our next attempt at watching a movie? I have no idea. I'll Beehive? give you a... No, I don't know how we're going to watch this. We're we'll, going we'll... to do it. We're going to do it. We just we we don't have it yet. Um, our next movie. I'll give you a hint. It's set in my home state. Texas. Yes. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes. <laughs> Wait, really? <laughs> 1974's The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, directed by another one of our punk upstart filmmakers, Toby Hooper. <laughs> uh the 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 man himself starring uh a friend of my dad's oh really uh yes uh, actually starting uh a friend of my father's uh i believe i believe edwin neal uh is a friend of my dad so i'll talk to my dad just to make double sure, but one of the guys in uh, in Texas Chainsaw Massacre is like not only like a guy my dad knew, but like a guy my dad is still in contact with. Yeah, he is from Houston, Texas. So there you go. He Maybe went to I Austin. G- he went to University of Texas at Austin. Yeah, I mean this is filmed in Texas. It's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So I'll see what I can get my dad to tell me about uh, oh about his God. what his six children. That's okay. Yeah, I know. He's, That's just a lot of children. He's allowed to have six children. I know. It's just a lot of children. It is. All right. Well, we'll talk about Ed Neal. We'll talk about six children. We'll talk about chainsaws and massacres next time on the show.
I was going to try to end the show. That's not how we end the show. <laughs> no, um, it's not. <laughs> uh, 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 how do we? Hey, how do? <laughs> Ollie just said hey on the, on the app we're using. So you <laughs> end it by saying I'm Phil and I'm Ollie, and that's it, right. That, and or we'll see you next we'll time. We'll see okay. you. Wait, right, 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 right. Here we go then. Well, everybody, love you all so much. That's not how we end the show. <laughs> Until. Hey guys, hey gang, hey muchachos. I'm Phil. And I'm Ollie. And we'll see you when it's, it's Del, Del Toro, Toro time. time. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, the lag and the, and the delays on a long distance <laughs> podcast record. One day, my child. One day. One day. Oh, I'm going to hit stop recording. Yeah.